What's going on, y'all? James Hicks here from Infotainment News and ITN Live. Look, been wanting to do this for a long time. This being starting a podcast to go along with the with the site and go along with the other social media platforms we have. But been always trying to find the right platform to use. Right, been looking for how to get the message out to our engaged readers, our engaged viewers how to really how to monetize and believe it or not I found the right platform that's getting the job done that's going to be easy to use and easy to set up that platform is anchor anchor is a one-stop shop for recording hosting and distributing your podcast best of all it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use and now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Check it out. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. This is an ad for Anchor, if you didn't guess that by now. Check it out. If you want to get started with Anchor, if you want to start sending out your message, owning your own platform, broadcasting your message, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me, join the rest of the diverse uh, authors and owners of content out there. Get your podcast off the ground. Let us know where it is. Talk to you soon. Y'all be cool. Good afternoon, everyone. James Hicks here from Hicks New Media and Infotainment News. Uh, Sunday afternoon, what better day than to talk about more money, more finance? I know we've been doing a lot of that with some of the series that we have on the on the platform, and we might as well continue that whole conversation because it's timely, it's relevant, it's news of the day. Today I am joined by a very good friend of mine, uh, a man who is in the financial industry, man who is in the, the mortgage side of the financial industry. So today we really are going to talk with you and just have a dialogue back and forth about opportunities, trends, uh, fluctuations, and things you can do uh, while managing your financial mortgage life during the pandemic. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chris Harris. Chris, how you doing today, brother? I'm well, brother. Thank you for having me on. Definitely, definitely, man. Appreciate you taking the time to to, to join us today. And kind of like I said in the in the intro, look, I've been doing a lot of talking lately about uh, money, about finance, about investment, and it. I think this was a good culmination about uh, from a mortgage perspective, and all and primarily a mortgage 
perspective during these crazy times that we're in now during the pandemic, right? Um, Definitely you know, relevant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so, you know, that being said, are you seeing anything specific in your particular in industry now as opposed to four or five months ago as it, as it comes to mortgage lending and things of that nature? Well, I think since COVID really became, you know, to, came to the forefront, uh, there were no, the lenders weren't sure what to do. Everybody was kind of flying. Their mortgage and rental pay history. And the government put moratoriums on what efforts lenders and landlords went um, back up to the, the people behind the guidelines that the lenders and brokers follow. Mm -hmm. uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, VA, and FHA mostly. Um, and, you know, at first it seemed like the lenders were all just kind of pumping their brakes on on, on well, started with appraisals, I would say, was kind of the first one that you really, you know, appraisers usually need to go into the house, take right. a look around, yeah. get some measurements, assess the condition. And uh, that was one of the first things that really shook things up was, you know, what do we do there? And we had to wait for some guidance from from the investors to let us know how to proceed in that, that space. But, uh, I think the lenders in general knew things weren't weren't going to have the greatest outlook. I don't think it was possible mm. for things to be back to work, considering how many people were losing their jobs. Was it March, April? When it was just every right. day, a few more million right. people were signing up for unemployment. Um, yeah. And uh, keeping that in mind, and you know, people were worried about the economy, right? Uh, some of that worry led to we saw some big fluctuations in the stock market. Yes, April, well, you know, February, March, April, May, and a lot of that led to a significant drop in rates. Uh, they have never been lower, um, but I, I would say too many people were too many because the lenders couldn't handle it. Loan the, the amount of volume that was coming towards the lenders in February and March uh, was kind of cast was a cascading effect, if you will. You know, you got a bunch of people want to refinance. Appraisers aren't wanting to go into the homes for, for right. obvious reasons to protect themselves. Um, and, you know, it became interesting. It was a new dynamic for everybody. Okay. Now, I know I got caught up in the middle of that. Look, I was uh, going through a re refinance opportunity during that, and, and I remember the, the appraiser drove by the house, uh, took a little, couple of pictures outside. He didn't, didn't walk up to the house. I was like, all right, if, if that's how it goes, you just took the Google Maps pictures, I guess, of the neighborhood and says, this house is okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to sign, seal, and deliver it. So um, do you think any of the operations from this new world order right so I, I hate calling it the the new normal but you know just the way that we are operating now do you think that some of these practices within your particular industry 
are going to remain as we eventually do come out of this and as we when we do find have a vaccine and and we can stop walking around with masks on and things of that nature do do you think some of the practices that your industry has developed during these last four months will remain i think so um the the prevalence of the investors granting what are called appraisal waivers uh Mm. you know where literally as as long as the individual or or the the applicant's credit and uh, budgeting and asset structure was was adequate and and the estimated home value was there um, for them to say we're good you know we don't actually we believe whatever value you put is fine i think a lot of that's going to stick um, partly because it's it's perceived that rates are going to stay lowerly for a while, and they should actually be lower than they are. You know, part of part of the concern and in the, in the, the I guess the uniqueness of this specific trend, uh, downward trend in rates is economic indicators suggest rates should be lower. Uh, I, I think if you're looking to buy a home, those rates are generally low, lower than a refinance rate, and those purchase rates are a lot closer to where the economic indicator suggests rates should be in general. But, okay. um, you know, with the appraisal waivers, a lot of that's going to stick partly because it's just expected. There's going to be a high volume. Uh, uh, you know, I've read something in March about 3.3, no, almost $11 trillion worth of loan volume in the United States that could benefit from a refinance now. But the lenders, wow. The total capacity across the nation for all lenders is only about 3.1 trillion. So you've got a backlog of three years worth of of loan churn that's going to take place. And that high volume is, you know, we can see those appraisal waivers sticking around for a while to help speed that process up. Gotcha. You know, uh, part of why rates aren't lower is because lenders can only handle so much. And uh, one of the things I, I frequently did or when people are debating whether to do a refinance or what are rates doing in the near future. And it's hard to say, we hope they continue down, but it's, yeah. if the lender can't handle it, it does them no good. I mean, at the end of February, at one point, uh, I mean, we were to the, the lenders were so maxed out that some of them were saying, sorry, we can't take an application right now, an application, but we can't lock you in because we don't know how soon we can okay. get you through the pipeline. Yeah. And um, that that's different. You know, that's that's just different. And I don't know, there's there's going to be. I would say if if somebody was. Was considering it, it's generally just do it now while, while it's here, because we don't know what might happen. Week. Yeah, um, I mean, and, and you never do now, right? You, you, I, I, I want to step back, and and I know I don't want to gloss over, and I think a majority of folks understand what you say when you say rates, but again, which rate are we particularly talking about, right? We're always talking about, we're always looking at, look, I got CNBC on this TV all day, every day for the most part, right? So, so I'm watching yeah. the financial markets, I'm, I'm watching my stocks and my investments, but which particular uh Fed rate are you looking at that 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 is most prevalent to you and your industry? Historically, mortgage interest rates would correlate to, not exactly, the 10-year treasury yield, you know, mm-hmm. government bonds. You know, if um, generally, if 
there's a little economic uncertainty out there. People would tend to move their money away from securities like stocks and mutual funds and move them into safer, safer securities like your, your government treasuries. And when there's a high demand for those, the government can charge a lower yield. And that lower yield tended to bring down mortgage rates or, or as the yield fell, mortgage rates tend to fell fall, whether it was a you know 30 year fixed rate across the spectrum of all, you know, shorter term loans, longer term loans, fixed rate adjustables. Um, and the yield has never been this low. And that's part of where if you look at you know, 1.5% um, and where rates are when the yield sitting at 0.7%, it's literally half, you know, but the rates haven't fallen in line. And um, that's the historically that I would tell my clients to pay attention to those who are on the fence and maybe wanted to wait a little bit longer. I, you know, say, well, if the treasury falls to around this level, you know, if I haven't already reached out to you, shoot me a, text, give me a call because right. that might be the time to, to move forward on that desired interest rate with that desired cost structure. Um, but it's hard to do that now because the rates are more driven by the capacity of the lender. As I was mentioning a bit ago, if, if, if folks, some folks like to talk about that low interest rate at the dinner table, you know, for some reason, 2.99% yeah. sounds better than three, right? Same for pumping. And, Always. you know, that dinner conversation, you know, I went to ABC lender and got that 2.99% rate, but it took four and a half months to get it done. And I can't stand the mortgage guy anymore because he stopped following up with me like he used to. Mm -hmm. And so lenders don't want that bad customer service. They want to repeat that business, especially the, the, the lender I work for. Um, that's our bread and butter is, is driving new customers and, and, and opening up the number of products they have with, with my bank through the mortgage channel. And so it made more sense to artificially keep the rates a little higher to slow down the influx of applications to keep it manageable while we, you know, hire and bring on more and retrain others to help support, you know, getting those people through the pipeline. Uh, but that's the indicator generally is the 10 year treasury. Yield. Okay. And is that for the same irregardless of a new finance or, or refinance opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. They both follow the same. Uh, generally okay. a refinance transaction will have slightly higher rates than a, purchase transaction um and i think part of that is because on the, the purchase side it's a new client acquisition so it's a new opportunity i guess more profit is perceived to be possible to earn over the long term with that client from the from the lender got you got you now i guess in, so in terms of let me think about this inventory right and the actual you know is the, the supply and demand curve what what are you seeing uh, are you seeing uh, more folks trying to move into some, some brand new developments? Or are you seeing some, some, some resale opportunities out there? What, has anything changed again within the last four months or? Um, no, it's been really, it's been really bizarre. There's a lot of people who I'll run into that are like, they know intrinsically the economy is not as good as what it seems to appear on television. You know, people know somebody who's out of work. They know somebody who's yeah. selling the nicer vehicles to just downsize partly because they're not commuting anymore. And why pay yeah. them? Why make them? Um, but there's still quite a few people buying. And they're, the, the supply that's out there is the supply from those who are choosing to sell their home. Or, you know, there's a lot of builders still building. 
and um, they're not staying on the market generally too long unless the real estate professional wasn't perhaps a little too aggressive or, or, or you know, price is a little higher than what the market would bear. But yeah. the clients that I'm seeing are typically getting in a contract relatively quick. You know, there's multiple offers still. Um, you, know, you typically want to jump in there with your highest and best offer if you really like the place because it's probably not right. going to be on the market very long. Yeah, I, I remember, I don't know what it was. Was it 10 years? So you're, you're in North, Northern California as well. You're, you're right here down the road from me, Sacramento, Roseville area. And look, was it 10, 15 years ago when there were literally folks camped out at uh, new housing developments, right? In, yeah. uh, in lawn chairs with <laughs> not just high bids, but with cash in hand. Right. So it was, it was yeah. a lot of influx from the, the San Francisco Bay, Bay area, yeah. a lot of that Internet money. Right. Move, moving to the <laughs> yeah. suburbs and, and moving outside. And I doubt we'll see that again for a while, because Agreed. one thing that you mentioned, I think that, that is incredibly relevant. The way the economy is now is not really what we're seeing in the in the media. Right. There are folks and we all know that that degree of separation. We know so, if it's not us. Right. We know someone close to us around us who yep. has been affected by these these times of, 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 of turmoil. Uh, someone is out of work. Someone has lost a lot of hours or whatever the case may be. The economy is not as robust as it may seem on whatever channel that you're particularly looking at. Um, so so that's that's important and that's relevant. It, our, let me bring that back and ask you from your industry perspective, is your industry doing anything different? Because of that, I mean, are there are there different programs that are being offered to folks who may have a great credit score, may have some some, some decent longevity from their industry, even though they're they're either in, in a lull right now, but uh, longer term financing, lower interest rate. I mean, you know what I mean? Are there are there things that you're offering now, for just your industry, not just, not just your organization to um, assist? I think. In the mortgage space, you know, you, you work in the in this industry long enough. You have folks who are your co who are now technically your competition. You know, I have a lot of good friends that are at other other banks, um, and we're still friends. So we talk, we share what's going on behind the scenes with each other's institutions. What are the guidelines like? What's underwriting turn times? Just what's happening out there? What programs are you doing? What can I not? You know, maybe I can send business your way and vice versa, and. One of the unique things that we saw with this market, somewhat similar to 2006, 7, and 8 when it crashed, was a retraction in guidelines. You know, uh, hmm. somebody who wants to get a, a, a what's called a jumbo or non-conforming loan, a larger loan, um, a, a, up until February, March, could finance 89.99% of that and only put 10% down as long as they had decent credit and, um, you know, some cash reserves. Um, lenders started scaling that back, um, 80%, 75%, uh, increasing the number of months that's actually required, uh, you know, mortgage payments in the bank as a, as a, as a safety net have, have become part of, of the conversation and the temporary guidelines for the, a lot of these lenders. Uh, there's not, the only thing that's really happening that I've noticed that is protecting consumer because it's really protecting the institution who's lending the money. They, they you know, they want to make sure the person they're giving a loan to can make the payment on time for a number of reasons. You know, that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah. 
as a, as a as a, a, a generally a big bank lender, when when our name's on the paperwork, if it's a what's called a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan, meaning it's generally under a certain dollar amount, uh, those those are you know as a lender, we're just getting a monthly payment from the investor Fannie and Freddie to keep our name on it and handle the day to day customer service type functions, and we want to continue to get that revenue stream. Otherwise, now we're in more trouble. Right, um, right. I would say broadly on the bank level, you know, there's there's things I've, I've heard that we're doing when it comes to, you know, waiving fees on this, not hitting people for penalties on, on um, you know, for missed payments that the, if somebody wants to get a mortgage right now and maybe they had to take advantage of that forbearance opportunity that the lenders for the most part across the board offered, mm-hmm. you know, you can just defer when you make your mortgage payment for three, sometimes up to six months. Those moratoriums from the government, from my understanding, prevented lenders from negatively impacting their credit score with that. They weren't they weren't allowed to report that as a okay. negative thing on their credit okay. report. Okay. And so internally, if somebody is a current client of the bank I work with and they would like to get a mortgage. And when we do some research, we found out that they are actively in the forbearance process. We cannot actually offer them a loan, but once they're done with that, okay. yeah. So if, if they're, they have options though, we give them the grace to catch up. So if they entered into a three month program and they're two months in, but they really did it. And a lot of folks did this. They only did it because the stockpile cash because they had certainty what's happening. I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, if, if it's yeah. not going to report negative on your credit report and, and yeah. you can choose to pay it back when you want, I mean, someone who's tackling a $3,000 month mortgage, that's nine grand I, in the bank by that's, summertime. That's true. That's true. That's so, real. That's real money too. Yeah. Right. That is real money. And, yeah. and if the only negative impact is that, that those, the interest for those payments went to the back of your loan, you know, a lot of folks take took advantage of it. So right. what we're doing is we give them a choice. We say, okay, well, you can exit the forbearance process, but you got to get caught up first. So if you're two months in, get those two payments made, get caught up, officially exit the program, get his paperwork to show that's happened. And now we can verify that you've got three months of on-time payments, which is the real thing, big thing we're doing. Somebody who's, regardless, it's standard procedure right now that we want to get not just the most recent month's bank statement. We want the or mortgage statement. We want the most previous three months mortgage statements. We want to see that. Okay. That's what the credit report says. Show us that you yeah. made these payments on time for the preceding three months, and, and we're a green light. All we're we're fine. Okay. To, to move forward, so, as all. Yeah. You know. All right. So there, so there is, I guess, some of those additional requirements, which is which is which is fine, which makes sense, right? Your 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 organizations in. And you, you are a for-profit organization. You're not a non-profit organization. So you're 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 in business to to, to make money. But I think one thing, a couple of things that you mentioned, I don't want to gloss over. And I want to make sure that folks don't assume that they know. Again, yeah, if you go into that deference, that really is. It's not forgiveness. It is deferred. It comes back to you at the end of your loan. You're not just saying, I don't want to pay these next three months of my mortgage. You don't have to pay them now. But you will pay them down the road at the end of that fifteen, twenty, or or thirty year mortgage. So if that two thousand yep. dollars, three thousand dollars per month doesn't go away. That that's one thing. Um, and then, then you mentioned classifications of loans again. I I you know I want to make sure that we're not um, 
missing over some some terminology. You talked about a jumbo loan, and so so sure. here in, in in California, can you explain the difference between you know the Freddie to Fannie? It's not Sally here, but you know, you know, all all, right. all the Sally Sally Mays, and but you know, what what constitutes a jumbo loan? It's um, every county is different. It's actually county specific. Um, now, a lot of the counties in a given area are going to be very similar or the same. Um, trying to think of what it is now in Sacramento, uh, five, I think it's five fifty one four hundred, right about there. I can get the okay. exact number, but if, if the loan exceeds that, it has to be jumbo. Okay. Um, it has to be a jumbo loan. Now, a jumbo loan is different because the bank's lending their own money at that point. It's not money that's sort of fronted and then reimbursed behind the scenes between the lender and, and you know, if it's below that mark, it's going to go to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. We send it out to them. You know, we, we put the money out to close the deal. They reimburse us on the back end. Um, and with, but, but again, we're only servicing it just we're getting a, a monthly servicing fee to handle the day-to-day -day stuff. If it's a jumbo loan, we're the servicer and the investor. We're earning revenue on the rate. We're earning revenue on the servicing. And um, though, because it's the bank's money, there's some more flexibility there. Uh, there's a little bit of playing favorites that can sort of happen. You can get additional discounts on the rate depending on the, uh, the financial relationship you have with the institution. Mm -hmm. um, but every county is different. You know, you go into higher value, dollar value, home value areas, the greater Bay Area, your San Carlos, your San Francisco, mm -hmm. those those have higher thresholds, um, 800 and something. I, off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, but but again, you think about cost of living, right? I mean, so yeah, that number <laughs> is inflated, but you know, that whole cost of living, what you're actually bringing home is not the same because it costs so much just to eat dinner there, have the lights on. It's, it's a little different. You, you can get, for what you can get for 400000 here, you can get one bedroom flat in, in uh, <laughs> the Bay Area proper, which is, I, I will still never uh, understand that, to be honest with you. Um, you, you mentioned something as well, and I fa I've fallen into this a couple of times, and I, I want to hear it from you. Um, your organization, your 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 company has sold my loan a number of times, and you know, I take I took uh, I took that uh, I was a little upset at first, but but then when when, when you explained it to me, it it, it did I I understood that it it wasn't you know James takes we don't like you, we don't like you anymore we're we're going to sell your loan off to another organization, but that explain why that happens from from. Uh, large, large scale lenders. A lot of times there, there's that's a very good question. There's two parts. And we, I still get this frequently. Um, clients would be signing paperwork, you know, Christian, you're yeah. going to sell my loan. Um, it happens for a number of reasons. So if you're not working directly with a bank, uh, and you're working with a mortgage broker, you have to go in understanding it's going to normally get sold because the broker is just there to facilitate the transaction and then take a, a profit for getting that deal. Um, they will then package that. They send it to whichever lender they structured it to go to, you know, whether it's the lender going to pay them more to give the loan to them or whether that yeah. particular lender has a little more lenient of a guideline that help them get the, get the deal done more easily. Um, it, that, that loan's going to get sold from the broker to a lender or just to another servicer. And that servicer may turn around and decide to sell it again. Um, and it's all about their decision normally to just take an upfront 
one time profit and move on to the next one. Very transactional. When you get to the big bank level, like what, what you and I had worked with, um, the decisions are more, sometimes it has to do with what the, the credit risk class of the loan, you know, were they paying on time? Were they doing this? Were they doing that? And that wasn't your guys' situation at all. A lot of folks um, feel that's what happens to them. It's like, oh, you know, I missed one sudden, you know, you're selling my loan to somebody. And that does happen. You know, if somebody's habitually late on something, then uh, on the mortgage, I've seen it, you know, where, where there's a couple different services that all of a sudden those loans just went to because maybe now it's considered a higher risk loan. Uh, but in your case, it had to do and it acquired too many of them um, when you because they have to maintain a what they call a balanced portfolio. And every so often, whether it's every couple of years or every few months, they have to evaluate how much of each type of loan do they have. And if they're a little too, if they're, you know, they have too much of one type, then the, the bean counters decide, well, we need to, we need to pare down how much we have mm -hmm. of that type of loan. Uh, and that's the space you and I fell in. Okay. So I, I won't, I won't hold it to heart anymore. I, I, I'll cut you a little slack. I was, I was talking bad about <laughs> you and your organization. I was like, I'm not, I'm not investing in this company anymore. And, and uh, where I come back. Um, I tell you what, so I, I, I'm, I'm gonna do a little something. I'm gonna do a little something different here. I, I'm gonna throw you a curve, which I, I think I'm gonna start doing. You, you know, I'm a technology focused guy. I, I, I want to sure. ask you, kind of staying in line with the, with the discussion. Is there any piece of technology that you're utilizing to manage your business? Right. I mean, yeah, you've got the tools that are, you're provided inside of your organization, but what are you using to manage your your day-to-day -day business either from a productivity perspective from um uh tracking of, of of time and resources and contacts whatever the case may be is there maybe you know what's on the front screen of your of your of your mobile devices what type of technology well, that you get you to today it's the mobile device and my you know company issued laptop right. um we, we one of the things i like about where i work is how much we have available to us we have a great customer retention program. Anybody who I send even just quotes to become part of that program. And we have a drip system that sends out periodic correspondence to them. Um, you know, we're utilizing Outlook all the time for just mm -hmm. managing our day-to-day -day stuff. But right. uh, it's, it's, there's, there's always stuff coming at me to, to help just alert this, check that, get on that. Um, I mean, it's, I'm not doing anything particularly special. Uh, I utilize my website. I utilize. Uh, you just, you're just taking advantage of what's in, you're taking advantage of what's in front of you. I, I love it. Yeah, and folks, I do. And, and you know what? I, I don't mind getting your letters in the mail because they, they don't come like every week. They, they come no. when they need to come. Uh, you know, if I've got a question or if I've got an issue, I, I can either opt out or what, but I can come right to the source. So I, I sure. do appreciate your progressive marketing because it's relevant as well, right? You're not just sending things that aren't relevant to my needs. You're not sending me a farm uh, land that, that's for sale when I live oh, completely yeah. away from any of that. I've location. seen that happen when the realtors, <laughs> you know, you, once you close the deal with them, then you, you stay on that drip for the next, the next 
the next purchase. On technology, though, um, you know, specific to mortgage, it's really important right now for somebody who wants to buy a home or refinance a home. Um, mm. There's a lot of there's a lot of folks in the baby boomer age who are still a little shy of technology. Um, and, and there's still the ability for lenders and brokers to accommodate those folks with some semi-face-to-face type of, of, of interactions and transactions at the bank and, and other places. But right now, being able to utilize the online tools are huge. Um, com- I mean, these days, completing your mortgage application online, up, down, uploading documents right through the application, uh, what used to take a couple, three days just to get in front of, a, of an underwriter processor can be a same day situation now you know you can complete yeah. the application you can download all your bank and mortgage w2 you can get it in the system you can sign electronically your disclosures and by the following morning we're 85 percent done with your loan now it's just getting it in front of the process and underwriter to check boxes cross t's and dot i's and be done with it yeah um and that's critical because of how busy everyone is i mean if you want your loan to get through faster you know utilize technology Definitely, you know, locking those rates, utilize that technology, and I can speak from from my experience as well, right? Just being able to DocuSign online and having the the, the workflow, right, that came from your organization, keeping us on task with everything that needed to be done, incredibly timely, incredibly uh, informative, and literally, we what was it? We we got the um, the notary here at our house for our particular situation. I think he was off at five o'clock. We got him here at 4.50 that evening. We signed the 800 pieces of paper that needed to be signed. <laughs> and, and next thing you know, that evening, I'm getting emails from from you and from everyone saying we're, we're all done, we're all squared away, boom. Uh, we have successfully refinanced your, your, your mortgage. So I, yeah. I, I'm a proponent of that for sure. Uh, one thing that I will do in the, um, and the show notes and on the posts I put on Infotainment News is I'll put your your safe ID number and sure. I will put a link to your website as well and, and your contact information just in case folks who wanted to dialogue and wanted to interact may have some questions again about uh, managing through not, not just during the pandemic, but just mortgage uh, uh, situations uh, in general. So financing, refinancing and whatever the case may be. Um, uh, anytime. I mean, I. I Folks, I don't even, I mean, I can't help everyone, but it, it's, there's no, there's no charge to just get a review of your mortgage. You know, sometimes yeah. there's strategies folks haven't thought of or heard of that I can assist with, whether it's working with me or someone else. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm not able to assist everybody, just perhaps I don't have the product or that they, they, they need. Um, one of the, one of the things that's changed, we, we mentioned earlier about what's happened differently. Lenders wanted to lower risk. You know, how do we lower risk? Oh, and one, yeah. one one way that we lowered risk at my bank is we're not currently offering cash out refinancing or home equity lines. We put a pause on them. You know, if somebody wants to encumber more debt against their home, ask your loan for the bank. And we elected to just put a pause on accepting those right now until things settle down. And there's a, a better barometer of, of, of what to expect moving forward in the economy and, you know, jobs. Um, yeah. And equity lines. There's still a few lenders out there that are offering equity lines. We just made a, a financial decision to put a pause on those and reallocate the resources behind the processing and underwriting on those to help out with the other purchases and refinances that we that we were desperately needing additional resources to help move through. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I can completely uh, uh, respect that, right? Again, a large-scale organization like that saying, you know, right now we're, we're not going to try to do everything. We're not boiling the ocean, right? We're, we're going to find the services and products that we have within our portfolio that we can be successful as an organization ourselves and that we can help our clients and potential clients be successful. We're not going to try to do every single thing right now until some of these waves die down which is which is good right and and i can completely respect that um i don't i don't think i need to do anything around around this uh, establishment for a while i've already got the pool in so i don't need no need to do, do a home equity line so i don't know maybe, maybe daddy could use some new shoes down down the road but uh <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll think about that later we won't we won't do that on a on a on a on a 30-year fix we'll do that um Amen. Right. You know, I, I've got some higher education uh, dollars that need to be taken care of. And, and uh, m the majority of that is covered already. But uh, we, we we may need to talk about uh, some moving some more dollars and cents around. Chris, uh, as, in, in closing, man, tell us again, um, just what you're doing from your organization. You know, if, if you've got one or two best practices that potential uh, homeowners uh, can can keep in mind as they get ready to go through a process, especially now with all of the challenge of a pandemic, with the, all the challenges of uh, you know just the state of state of events and state of affairs. If they're if they're looking at moving into some type of a mortgage situation, I, I would say be upfront with your mortgage professional. Be honest with them. Tell them what's going on behind the scenes. You know, folks sometimes. Uh, especially people who purchased homes before they know they they know the game per se a little yeah, bit yeah. And, and and sometimes they feel they're going to pull one over on us and, and and the last thing you want to do is not be full disclosure about your your financial situation you know and, and this happens self-employment actually self-employed borrowers mm. are the ones that are probably having the most challenging time um you know when it comes to retractions and lending guidelines if we're not really using rental income right now Someone's got three or four rentals and they know their rental income's covering it, even though their tenants might be paying on time and have always paid on time. We're not currently using that income because we have no way to paper trail if that income is actually still current and relevant. You know, the tax returns okay. are a year old, yeah. you know, and we're still working through how to manage that. You know, it's because there's still a lot of clients who have well paying jobs, still doing great and everything's fine. They just happen to have a little too much rental income and we're not able to use it. And it makes it challenging to budget them. But uh, full disclosure is really important because the last thing you want to do on some, especially someone buying a home, yeah. is to find out halfway through the process that, you know, something came up that wasn't disclosed, whether it comes from the credit report or a, a certain line item on a bank statement that now raises a red flag that opens up a whole nother can of worms that led to a discussion where the answer was, yeah. oh, that's what happened. Sorry, we can't do that now. And now you're putting people's time and money at risk. You know, when someone's buying a home, they have a deposit they've given to the escrow company. And there's a, you know, depending on the timing of of everything, that could fall into the hands of the seller as a, you know, as the result of it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just have, you know, utilize technology, be upfront with your mortgage person. Most mortgage people that I know are pretty flexible. You know, we, we we play by the book, you know, sometimes things to stay with us. I mean, we, we don't have, it's just, 
you know, it, but, but share it with us so we know, because we have to yeah. be able to approach the transaction in a way where it, it can be and if you just don't want to go into it lackadaisical you want to prepare technology share everything you've got going up front and be a little flexible right. this this market's a little little bit different you know, lending the, the institution I work with, we still really prioritize purchase loans in front of refinance loans. We're re, we're locking our interest rates for ninety days on a refinance. We're expecting to get it done within sixty days, but if that underwriting is time for those in thirty days or less, then we want to make sure that they can dedicate their time and, re, and and effort to those purchase loans, and they'll have to shelve that refinance for a couple of days before they can circle back and put more effort into it. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Down payment helps and uh, let us know where it's coming from. You know, uh, that, that's, have, that's really have, big. Have that paper trail, right? You know, the, the more down payment you can have, always the better. And if you got too, if you got too big of a down payment, hey, where are you getting this? Where are you getting this liquid cash for the most part, right? Someone's got a $50,000 deposit into the bank account. And where did it come from? Oh, it came from. Your Fidelity account, great. Give me the most recent statement for that. Oh, there's a hundred thousand dollar deposit into that Fidelity account two weeks prior. Where did that come from? Yeah, and it happens. And then it comes yeah. to find out it came from mom, you know, or it yeah. came from a good friend, or it came from a business that's going under. And it, it all, uh, it all could come to play. There's still some down payment assistance programs. Cal Hath is still, still plugging away. Okay. Um, okay. Programs that have kind of been put on pause just because you know the county down payment money is kind of based on a budget, their yeah. their county budget, and those budgets are in limbo right now. So a lot of them have put a pause on offering them. But CalHafa is still a, a a program where if someone just doesn't have any other way to get acquire some down payment and money for closing fees. They uh, those programs are available. Awesome, awesome. And those those are the the tools that I think everyone needs to adhere to, and those are the nuggets that uh, hopefully some folks that are in the situation or getting ready to get into the industry and into the market will will take advantage of. Mr. Yeah. Harris, I thank you, sir, for your time. I thank you for your knowledge. Uh, good, it was definitely a good session. I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed it as well. And uh, if there was, is there anything else particular that you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, I think we covered it all. I mean, it's, okay. uh, just, you know, there's, it's still a lot of people buying homes. There's still a lot of people refinancing rates are extremely low. Okay. I wouldn't wait for the grass being greener down the road, get it now. Uh, in fact, if, if you jump into a refinance now, you don't have to worry about what happens if rates get lower two months into the process, because you at that lower rate, if it happens midstream, we'll, we'll, we're locking everything up front. Okay. We're not really encouraging people to gamble with whether rates are going to be better in the near future. Um, we want them to be protected from it going up and, and protected to allow it to you know to take advantage of it if it goes down. Um, so if, if you're having the conversation amongst your household about whether to do it, you're welcome to reach out. I'm happy to talk with you. Uh, I work all the time. I'm pretty readily available. I'm pretty readily available. I know this all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I have texted you at uh, midnight, even after midnight a few times, <laughs> and you have, for some reason, responded right back. And I, 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 don't, I don't know, but that, that's that's pretty that's pretty admirable, to be honest with you, man. I appreciate um, it, man. Thank you. Hey, Chris, appreciate your time. Thank you very much for uh, blessing us with some of this information. Folks, again, I will put a lot of those links and some of those resources that Chris mentioned uh, in the show notes on the site. And again, we thank you very much for joining us for another edition of ITN Live on Infotainment News. We out. Appreciate you.